So you landed the job. They gave you a sweet title. You're making a ton of money. You start tomorrow morning. What do you do? How do you show your value? How do you prove your worth? Joining a new team can be a stressful situation if you let it get away from you. But joining a new team doesn't have to be overly stressful. It can be a great way to introduce yourself to the team, get to meet new friends, learn some new things, and show off some of those skills. So stick around, and we'll break it down. What's up, UX fam? How's your mom and them? Welcome to another episode of Beyond UX Design. I'm Jeremy. If you're new here, welcome. I'm super stoked to have you. And if you haven't done it already, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are a regular here and you feel like you're getting something out of the show, I would really appreciate you leaving a five-star review. That'll help me out so much and help keep the show independent and ad-free. You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. And if you do that, you'll get some sweet perks for your support. And of course, if you think the show is worth sharing, then I would love it if you told some friends. For more information on how you can help more people find out about the show, make sure to check out beyonduxdesign.com support. But I know there have been a ton of layoffs recently, and it might seem weird that I have a full episode about joining a new team when thousands of UX designers have just lost their jobs. But from my point of view, this is temporary. And I know this sucks. I've been there. But I'm confident that you will eventually find a job. And maybe this episode is even more important now that there are tons of people out there looking for work. I know this is tough now, but I'm confident that you'll find a job. And when you do, everything that we're talking about today will help you to get up and running faster than ever. So finding a job, prepping for the interview, interviewing for the job, these are really hard. They are exceptionally stressful things, and it's taxing on us both emotionally and physically. But the fun is just getting started. So now you need to join a team and earn that fat UX salary that you were promised. So what do you do? Well, if you haven't had a lot of design jobs, or if this is your first UX job, the good news is that it isn't all that different from starting any other job. Joining a team, regardless of your role, it should be pretty similar to what we're going to talk about today. So if you've ever joined a team in any capacity, you've likely figured out some of these things along the way, and hopefully you didn't have to learn them the hard way. Now, if you're lucky, your team has a solid onboarding process for new hires, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That is most likely a rarity from my own experience. And more often than not, new hires are totally on their own. So good luck figuring this out if you've never done it before. So if this is the first time that you've had a quote-unquote real job, then pay attention because everything that we talk about today is going to help you get started on the right foot and contribute back to the team successfully. So before we dive into this, let's, let's review what we'll be going over today. And I would encourage you, please, Take note of what we're talking about and create a plan for yourself. Take notes, stop, rewind, go back, listen to it, and create a checklist or a timeline for yourself. And I think it'll be really handy to have this somewhere that you can reference, you know, try to make sure that you're doing these things if you're really stressed out about how to get up and running quickly and efficiently. Maybe a box note, maybe a drive note, maybe a paper checklist, whatever you need to do. So first things first, your new job is not actually as a UX designer, no. Your new job is actually to get up to speed so that you can become an effective UX designer. And your job right now is not to solution, it's not to design, it's not to give feedback, to crank out wireframes or prototypes. And sure, you can probably do some of those things while you're onboarding, but you will be a more effective and productive team member if you focus on getting up to speed and understanding the larger context before you start focusing on doing any actual work. 
Now, obviously, you can't be doing this for six months or a year. So set a goal for yourself, set a timeline, figure out what your outcome should be at the end of that time period. Now, keep in mind that as you do this discovery, you might find that some things need to change in your plan. So be ready for that. Be ready to flex, adapt. Adapt to whatever information or insight that you uncover along the way. So for instance, if you're a new junior UX designer and this is your first time on the team, your outcome might be after 30 days to understand your responsibilities and deliverables, understand the process and understand how you can add value, be able to speak to the business needs, be able to speak to the user's needs and their pain points. And that might sound like a lot, but it all kind of goes together and you'll kind of see that as we talk through it. Now, your goal shouldn't be to master these things or be able to change the team processes, but your goal should be at least to get to a point where you're comfortable and confident enough to start doing your job and maybe even, you know, comfortable enough to just explain it to somebody else to prove that you know how to do it. Now, if you set a deadline for yourself, you can take those outcomes and you can work your way backwards to create kind of a timeline or a mini deadline. So for instance, if you want to be able to do these four things and understand your responsibilities, the process, the business needs, user pain points, so that you can work your way backwards, you could say something like, okay, I have 30 days to do these things. I, I need to meet with Jim. I need to meet with Jane. I need to meet with Joe. I need to meet with Tara. And I need to read A, B, and C documents or whatever exists. So I have to do that by this date so I can do these other things by this other date and so on. So break those big overarching goals into smaller goals. And the big advice that I tell people is to not try to drink from the fire hose. Don't try to drink it all at once. You're going to drown. Turn your head a bit, let it splash in the face and try to get some water as it sprays you, but don't, don't expect to drink it all as it comes. Take in what you can take in and don't let yourself get overwhelmed. A lot of this stuff you'll be able to come back and revisit later. And I'm telling you all of this before I give you any specific advice because I know it's all very overwhelming and I've been there before. So take notes, take it slow and don't let it get you. So first, the thing is that work and life in general really is a game. And no, I'm not talking about a finite game like checkers or chess or football. I mean an infinite game. And I'm going to do a whole episode about this because I love this idea so much. But an infinite game is a game where there are no fixed players, no fixed rules. The objective of the game is not to win. It's just to keep playing as long as possible. And that's essentially life, isn't it? I like to think of work in the same way. There are people that we work with. These are the players. There are norms. There are processes, things like that. These are the rules. And our goal is to keep going until we retire. There's no ending, at least not until we're 65 or whatever the retirement age ends up being when we, when we actually get there. Maybe never, who knows? <laughs> so the first thing that you should try to do is to understand these things so that you can play effectively. And remember though, that the idea isn't to beat anybody. It's not to win out over someone else. It's not to make anybody else lose. It's to try to keep playing the game as long as possible. And that usually means that we need our team to also be successful so that we can all play as long as we possibly can together. So this isn't a game of thrones where you're trying to outsmart and stab somebody else in the back. When I say game, it's not what I'm talking about. So please don't go there. So first you have to understand the players. The first thing that you need to do to unlock all of those other things is to understand who you're playing the game with. We need to get to know who the people in our team are. We need to get to know the stakeholders. We need to understand who makes the decisions, who answers to whom, what are their goals, what outcomes are they responsible for, how can they help you do your job, and how can you help them to do theirs. And there are a lot of ways that you can do this. And if you're in person, I would highly recommend a face-to-face -face meeting over coffee or a walk around the block. But if you're remote, obviously this can be a video call. 
So these get-to-know calls are so important. And try not to talk too much about work, at, at first at least. Spend some time getting to know the person, personally. And in a previous episode, we talked a lot about building relationships. So I won't get too detailed here, but if you need a refresher, go back, check out episode six, where we deep dive into some of these tips and tricks on how to build strong relationships. And in that episode, we talked about warmth cues and being somebody on your team that your team actually wants to talk to. We talked about building relationships with people in other time zones and even continents or or cultures and learning a few words in their language and being aware of their holidays so that you don't bug them on their day off, things like that. All of these things are very important. And all those things in that episode are what you're trying to do here, build strong relationships. So make sure you use some of this time too to talk about your role, find out what their expectations for this role are, and let them know what your expectations for this role are, and see how you can help them in their day-to-day work, and see how they might be able to work with you. And ask who else they think you should talk to. Get a list of maybe three to five people who they think would be able to help you in this role or people that they think you'd be working with. And your goal with these meetings is to start to get a sense of all the players that you might interact with on a day-to-day. The goal of these meetings is to start to get a sense of all the players that you might interact with on a given day or throughout the course of the project. Get a sense of who reports to who. Get a sense of what these individuals' motivations are. Do you think they'd be a good ally? Do you think they'd be able to help back you up in the future if you come across a roadblock or another? I think it's a good idea to also draw a map. Show who reports to who. Kind of draw a matrix, an org matrix, or a a spaghetti chart, if you will. That can help to visualize the organization a little bit better. And this is especially true if you work in a really big company. Now, a few key takeaways from all of these discussions, right? First, try to get a sense of who you'll work with best. There are likely people in here that you'll naturally gravitate towards, and there are people that you might butt heads with. Foster those positive relationships and try to build up potential allies. You're going to come across a lot of situations in your work as a UX designer where people won't agree with your decisions or you don't have access to a different stakeholder. Try to find somebody here who can speak on your behalf, at least someone who agrees with your ideas and thoughts on various things. You're going to need these people later. Take notes during these meetings, and if people talk about their kids or something, write it down. Try to remember these things and use these details later. It will absolutely help to build trust. So take note of the language that they use. If these people are using similar language, try to adopt it and to use it. And this will help you to sound less like an outsider and more like you're one of the team. Do not be afraid to ask stupid questions at any point here. Take advantage of being the the quote-unquote new guy and ask as many dumb questions as you can think of before you feel like you can't ask them later, which, by the way, you should never feel bad about doing. Always ask stupid questions because most people in the room will be the ones afraid to ask the stupid questions and they will appreciate the fact that you're bringing it up. And if somebody uses a term or an acronym that you aren't aware of, Ask them what it means. Write it down to reference later, and I promise you will run across a lot of things like this. Now, all the conversations that you're having with these various players are going to give you insights into what the rules are. And these rules can be unofficial things, like words that people use to describe one thing or another. It could be how the team works together. It could be more official things, like regular meetings. Who facilitates them? Who's responsible for what? Who reports to who? How decisions are made? How things are documented? All of these things would be the rules that all the other players play by. And it's important to understand all these things so that when you start working, you can transition into day-to-day work without a lot of hiccups or misunderstandings. So as you're talking to all these people in your initial one-on-ones, they might mention things like this, which is one of the ways to understand the rules. 
Another might be documentation. Maybe they have standard work or process maps of how things are done. There could be things on shared drives or onboarding videos, things like this. And if it's not listed out somewhere, the chances are good these individual people can send you where you need to go to find out all of this information. So just like spending a bunch of time talking to your new colleagues, you're going to spend a ton of time going over all of this information. And some of this will definitely take longer than others, but it's important to go through whatever information is available to you to get a sense of the context around everything that you'll be doing. This could be context around decision-making, why decisions are made the way they were made. If a team has done a retro, maybe you can look at past comments to see why things are the way they are today. This could be around processes, like how roadmaps are established, who decides what to build and why, what stakeholders are included and why. That's certainly not everything, and individual details might change depending on your role, the company, and even the specific team. So when it comes to rules of the game, quote-unquote, there are so many things to think about that it's nearly impossible to list all of them here. But here are a few specific things and places to start. Understand what the company does. Why does it exist? How does it make money? Understand the users and what their problems are as best as you can. Read through all the personas, journey maps, service blueprints, empathy maps, whatever artifacts the UX team has created over the years. Soak in as many maps, decks, videos, audio, notes, or whatever is available. If you can go through research decks, do that. If you can watch user interviews or usability studies, do that. Learn the company language and start to use it. Understand the vocabulary and the acronyms. Now, I personally hate acronyms, but before you start trying to change the habit, get used to using them to reduce the friction and not seem like some outsider that's coming in to change everything. And do as much desk research as you possibly can before you ask questions. I know you're going to have a million questions, but before you go and ask the same person over and over why something is the way it is, or where something is, or whatever other things you need to ask, try to find it for yourself. Then when you do ask, explain what you did to try to find the answer and how you couldn't find it, and then ask the question. And if you're going to ask questions, try not to ping the same person over and over and over again. Try to spread it around if you can. Get a sense for all the processes. How are projects kicked off? Who leads what activity? What regular activities do the teams have? What is your place in all of it? Remember to ask as many stupid questions as you can when you're new. Don't be afraid to speak up in meetings. If you don't know something or you hear something unfamiliar, ask. It's also critical here that you are not pushing your priorities yet. The time will come. But before you can push your agenda and priorities, you need to build these relationships and the trust first so that you don't seem like an outsider coming in to change everything on day one. Don't come to these meetings with any preconceived notions about who they are, what they do, why they do anything. Come to these meetings with an open mind, with your only goal of getting to know the human being a little bit better and how you can best work together. That's it. The idea here is that you want to build context before you start talking about changing anything. And this leads to the next point. Don't push your agenda yet. The most important thing that you can do in your first 30 days is to understand all of the things that you need to understand, soak it all in, don't come in with any preconceived notions and work to build empathy for your team to understand where they are coming from, why they made the decisions that they did, and try to understand your place. Before you start suggesting changes, it's critical to understand these things. And if you look at the outcomes that we established earlier, in, in that example at least, I didn't set any outcomes that had anything to do with changing something. Our goal at the end of these 30 days, or whatever time we've set, should be to just understand enough to be able to speak to it in a conversation. It's to understand the context so that later, when we give our opinion or where we suggest a change, that you're doing it with the right context or the right assumptions or the right data points. 
remember that no one is, or, or shouldn't at least, expect you to be coming out swinging on day one, to continue this ball game analogy. They're not going to expect you to make decisions. They're not going to expect you to make big decisions. Design amazing applications. Influence everybody else. Those things happen with time. And don't feel like anybody expects this from you from the get-go, because they probably don't. Here are the few things to remember for your first 30 days. Try to avoid having any preconceived notions or making any assumptions for the first several weeks. Things are usually the way they are for a good reason, or at least a reason. It might not end up being a very good reason, but there is likely a reason. And nothing builds trust better than shared experiences, specifically hard or challenging experiences. And if you see things that need changing, experience the pain with the team for a short amount of time. And once you experience that painful process, then you'll be able to go back and you'll have the opportunity to talk about it firsthand with the team. You'll be able to speak firsthand about that process not working. The team would have gone through it with you and you'll be able to better articulate how it's bad, why it's bad, what's specifically broken, how it affected you, and why you think your idea is a better solution. Wait to give your opinion until you feel like you have all the pieces in place. Somebody might ask you for your opinion early on, and that's totally fine. But what you want to try to avoid is coming in hot, (laughs) shaking things up before anybody is really ready to do anything with your opinions. You will likely have a ton of great ideas, I'm sure. But just note them down. Write down why you think this way. What problem do you see? Things like this. And then when it comes time to make that suggestion, do it with the data to back you up. It's critical to be flexible here. You've got to be able to go with the flow. Use the team's language. Work within the team's framework. Follow the team's process for some short amount of time until you're ready to propose something new. And it's critical to be pragmatic and understand what is possible and what is not. Remember that an infinite game goes on forever. There's no hard end date. So if you see something you want to change, remember that it often takes a very long time to realize institutional change, no matter the size of the team. Remember that this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Just go with the flow for a little bit. So just remember that we talked about a lot of stuff here. I know it can be overwhelming, but it's best to go in with a plan. Take it all in. Soak in the context. And when you're ready to start shaking things up, you'll do it from a place of authority. Your future self will thank you. Well, all right, y'all, I think that's it for me for today. I hope to help give you a little insight into how to approach taking on a new role and what you can do the first month or so to set a strong foundation for yourself going forward. Have you gone through any of this? Was onboarding a challenge for you? Or if you figured out something that I didn't talk about here that helped you, I'd love to know what you did. Let me know what you think on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at hello at beyondyouxdesign.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you feel like you're getting something out of the show, I would love it if you left a five-star review. That would help me out so much. And if you know somebody who might find any of the stuff that we're talking about useful, wanted to tell them about it, that'd be fantastic. And if you want to keep the show independent and ad-free, check out the new Patreon sponsor packages at beyonduxdesign.com support. You can support the show for as little as $3 a month. And there are some awesome perks like joining the Beyond UX Design Slack community to connect with other aspiring UX designers just like you. You can get a shout out on the show every week. There's even a package to meet with me for 30 minutes every month. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter and check out all the past episodes at beyonduxdesign.com. I hope you keep coming back for more great UX tips from Beyond UX Design. And until next time, remember you are more than a designer because there's more to UX than design. I'll see you around. Take care, y'all.